0: Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Dangerous Thoughts on Unsafe Space. Happy Thanksgiving Day Eve. Uh, Today is Wednesday, November 24th. I'm Carter, your host. Uh, As a general reminder, don't forget to give thanks to that subscribe button. It's shiny and it's red, and it wants to be appreciated. You can watch us, as always, on unsafespace.com, where the live stream is embedded. We're also on Utreon, we're on Odyssey, and we're on YouTube. And I want to start by shouting out to everyone who financially supports the show. Thank you for doing that. We couldn't do this without you. Um, If you want to support the show, you can go to unsafespace.com. You get your name in the credits. You get a mug, depending on what level you... I think, where's the mug? There's a mug behind me, right there that grenade mug that's on the shelf behind me, depending on what level you you contribute at. Um, You can buy merch merch if you want to. All that fun stuff. Uh, But thank you. Um, Matt Deckard says, "Uh uh-oh, everyone's live right now. Yeah, some people have complained that I'm stepping on other people's live shows, but I'm doing this at the time that I can do it, so that's what you get. So, um, (laughs) Greg the Baritone wants to know if I got my Christmas shopping done at Louis Vuitton last weekend. Um, it wasn't looting, Greg. That's what I've been told. It's not appropriate to call it looting for some, I forget what the reason was, because there wasn't a state of emergency. Although I think there is, because Gavin Newsom declares states of emergency over COVID. Um, anyway, welcome everyone. Uh, I, was, you know, I was thinking today, uh, I view this audience in particular I mean, you know, this is maybe true for lots of the shows, but for this show in particular, I view this as the intellectual core of the unsafe space community, not to be, I'm not trying to be rude to the other, <laughs> the people who don't watch this show, um, but I think the people who show up here are people who, who um, see that ideas matter, um, and actually maybe they're the heart of the community, not just the uh, intellectual core, um, because you know ideas matter means means something in reality right there there are people in the world who are motivated to action and are very passionate when they see like a picture of a starving child right or or maybe a dead child on a turkish beach all those things are moving and they motivate us and like there are people who respond to that emotionally and and you know i'm dating myself but you know audrey Hepburn comes on screen surrounded by starving kids and you want to send your money um but then there are the people, and this is a much smaller subset, and I think this is these people are actually more important. Um, then there are people who understand the power and importance of ideas, right? And they are moved to action with that same passion uh, when they hear someone advocate for communism, right? Because they see, when they hear the advocacy of communism, they see clearly in their mind's eye not one starving child but millions of starving children, um, and uh, it's that it's the understanding that ideas manifest themselves in concretes in reality, and that bad ideas hurt lots of people a lot more than just one person, um, and that's why ideas animate me. It's because they're not intellectual curiosities, that, but they are they are things that have real consequences. Here in the real world. So, um, yes, Matt, I, when I say I like the audience, Matt, I'm not, it's everyone except for Matt Deckard, uh, just to be clear. <laughs> so, I'm going to try and keep the show, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to try and keep the show short tonight, partly because it's Thanksgiving Day Eve. Uh, I just want to keep it short personally. Um, so, we're going to skip a definition and we're not going to do a lot of news today. Um, but we're, so we're gonna say no to definitions, no to news, but we're gonna say yes to, this is the world's smallest glass of eggnog, but I'm allowed to, it's almost Thanksgiving, I'm allowed to start drinking eggnog. I have these tiny glasses so that I don't drink too much eggnog, because it's really, really bad for you. Definitely not carnivore. Okay. <laughs> um, what I wanna talk about tonight is, is really more of a, I wanna step back a, a little bit and do kind of just a summary of what we've talked about to date, because we've gotten into various topics, and I don't know that I've ever kind of tried to unify them all together and say, like, more of an overarching, what's the purpose? How do they fit together? What are we trying to do? Um, and I am pro- I was prompted because of a Twitter conversation that happened the other day. So the other day, I tweeted something that was offensive to a lot of people. I said, uh, Christianity lacks the philosophical foundation to save the world from woke, Because to do so, one must have clear, unambiguous, metaphysical, epistemological, and ethical arguments, not a book of poetry that anyone can claim means what they want. People did not like that. Um, By the way, I didn't intend for a book of poetry to be uh, um, a derisive thing. I mean, poetry is beautiful. I just, I don't think it's philosophical. Anyway people got upset and aside from a lot of anger responses that i got which we can i can go through the errors and they're thinking of some of these later maybe in another show i also got a legitimate question that was so straightforward and obvious that it actually gave me pause because i realized it's not something i talk about much um and the question what i'm paraphrasing but the question was basically well what does have the philosophic foundation to save the world from woke right um and i thought Okay, so this is a good time to maybe pause and and kind of recap what I'm attempting to do on Dangerous Thoughts. I'm attempting to do it with you guys. I would like this to be as participatory as possible, generally, and some people have participated, and I appreciate that. Um, and we'll talk about what we've explored so far. And then we can wrap up the show and go prep turkey. I have turkey that's in brine right now, which I did this morning. So, all right. So let's talk about what I'm trying to do here with Dangerous Thoughts. Um, and let's start by saying what I'm not trying to do, because I realized after that Twitter discussion what a lot of people are trying to do, and it's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. A lot of people are trying to find the system. They want to find the answer, right? Um, they they want to find the thing that is pre-existing, that's some belief system that works. Um, and I'm not trying to do that. Now, granted, I am very sure about what many of the foundational elements ought to be, but I'm not looking for an off-the-shelf solution, right? I'm not like, oh, Mormonism that'll work, or humanism, or hey, the Methodists—they got it, right? Right? I'm not looking at in the past going, this is the one thing that we should just go back to and adopt. Here's the off-the-shelf solution. Um, and even I know a lot of people know that I have a background with objectivism. Um, even the objectivist i'm not looking back and going well they've got it let's take that off the shelf and use it although i do think uh there are a lot of foundational elements that uh, objectivists and aristotelians and and others share that are that are important and the and one of the reasons i'm not looking for an off-the-shelf system like that is we got here (laughs) right we have woke it has ruined a lot of what was good about secular society it's ruined large swaths of Christianity. Um, it has penetrated and destroyed American culture, not just the Christian culture, but also the secular culture, um, but both. Not just the secular culture; it has destroyed the Christian culture in many respects. Um, so, you know, the idea that we're going to like look, flip through the history books, and be like, "Oh, that one, that one probably works really well." That's not I, I don't think that's likely to, to work um, because here we are that one didn't prevent us getting getting here. Um, and you know the, the underlying motivation here is my intention is to move forward in our philosophic thinking not backwards, just like in physics. So you know Newtonian physics worked for a while uh, it described the the world of observable macro, Things that we could see and touch and feel that moved at normal speeds, and then we someone noticed, hey, I'm getting the wrong answers when I when I apply it to subatomic particles uh, that move near the speed of light, right? We didn't, you know, we had built a lot of things on Newtonian physics by that point, right? You don't need Einsteinian physics to build an internal combustion engine. We had a lot of society built just on Instead, still, most of society is just built on Newtonian physics. We didn't say, oh, Newton doesn't work in this case, or something's wrong here. Let's throw Newton away and look for some older system of physics that isn't subject to this problem. That's not what we did. That's not how intellect moves forward. That's not how ideas move forward. Instead, we said, okay, Newton needs some tweaking. What new system can we come up with that expands upon Newton, explains the case of Newton, but also explains this other thing? How can we fix it moving forward? How can we expand our thought? Not how can we go back in time and you know, find some other system, right? We don't, you know, we're not like, hey, maybe alchemy. So um, in Western philosophic thought, if we look at that analogy, we've made a lot of progress in the last few hundred years and we've backslid a lot there has been a lot of progress um some of it's come from christian roots not all of it uh but there's been a lot of progress in in western philosophical thought it's not all bad some of it is poison some of it is absolutely horrible and we've done a lot of backsliding as well so what i am trying to do is instead of finding an off-the-shelf system from the past I'm trying to build the system with you guys and say, okay, what do we know? Let's figure out. Let's let's tease this out. I I have a pretty good idea of what some starting points are, Um, but you know, if you'll notice, just as an example, I'm not super adamant about my political position. I, I mean, I say that I'm an anarchist, but I'm not super firm on on politics right um i get along with minarchists and libertarians and and a whole bunch of other people and the reason for that is i think there's a lot of work to do there i think once philosophy moves from ethics to politics things start to get difficult and i don't think that philosophy in the past has properly taken into account uh human psychology in deriving politics i think there's a bunch of hidden premises when philosophy moves from ethics to politics so i think that's a little bit messier than some of the other stuff so i'm trying to build this system with your help and you know, I I think if we do this, we need to we start by just identifying some really basic things. And it might sound crazy to have to identify these, but here we are in a world of absolute insanity where there's infinite genders and whatever else. So we start with some basics. We identify what is true. What are the elements that have worked in the past? Where did things go wrong? Right? How did secular society become vulnerable to this? Um, and very importantly. Probably most importantly to me is what method should we use moving forward, right? And that's, primary a, that's primarily an epistemological question. What method do we use for determining knowledge moving forward? So that doesn't mean I'm trying to invent my own system. I'm not. I don't want like the Carter philosophy. That's not what I'm trying to do. Our knowledge is cumulative here. So there's lots of people that have come before, um, f- from from pre-Aristotelians through Aristotle up through. Uh, maybe a lot of crappy ones in the last few hundred years. Uh, I personally think Ayn Rand's did an excellent job in a lot of ways, but I don't mention her very often for a couple of reasons. One is her name is triggering to people. And two is I don't consider myself an objectivist. Um, I There's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is I think something's wrong with the objectivist community. A lot of them had Trump derangement syndrome, and they there's a lot of things that I just I think they're wrong about, frankly. Um, and the other is objectivism... Properly understood is Ayn Rand's philosophy. So it's done. She died in 1982. We can't keep going. It's over. It's what she wrote. And that's a static dead system. And I've tried to pull the essentials from not just her, but also you can reach all the way back into Aristotle, which is where she got some of these essentials and other thinkers. Um, And that essential for me is reason is the epistemological standard. That's the thing that we need to, that's, that's what we need to, um, apply epistemologically uh is one of the most essential elements and i don't think reason would dictate that you look up in the book of the bible of what ayn rand said and that's the answer that's not how reason works um so uh you know i think not only would i would i say I, when i pulled from rand like the the other thing other than reason i would say the 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 other thing I got from her is an understanding of a lot of the ways in which the ivory tower, the ivory tower academics have either corrupted or misrepresented or undermined or worked to destroy uh, reason and try and use it as a tool to implement irrational stuff. Um, And I think one of the greatest tragedies of philosophy in the last few hundred years is that dishonest philosophers convinced people that Communism was a system based on pure reason, and nothing could be further from the truth. That's another show. But so I kind of just want to look at the philosophy that's been done in the past, look at what's worked in the past and what hasn't, and build the system with you guys. That's what this show is about. Um, Demon Slayer says, progressive? Uh, I guess. Actual progress? Sure. Um, Maybe that's what I'm meaning. All right. So let's just wait. So I'm going to just do a summary by kind of laying some groundwork of where we start, what I've talked about so far, and then we'll call it a day and we can go eat turkey tomorrow. So um, let's lay some groundwork. We can't, if we're going to think about, if we're going to think about philosophy, we, we we really can't start with arbitrary assertions. We can't just be like, well, such and such set of rules is correct. This politics is correct, or this ethics is correct. That's my starting point. That's not where you start. You, you, We, we have to back up and start from super, super basics, right? Which is literally starting with what we know. And uh, do you remember that Dr. Seuss book, Sam, I Am, I Am Sam? That's kind of where we start. Here I am. I am here. I exist, right? Just... You're here, you're here, and you're you. That's where you start, because that much you should know, and if you don't know that, uh, you should probably add some shit to your Twitter bio and watch another show. So this kind of leads, I'm not gonna go into detail on this, because I want this to be a short show, but this kind of, this reveals, started with this starting point, will reveal to you some metaphysical axioms, right? And these are pretty basic. Um, Existence exists right? Which means basically there is something as opposed to nothing. It sounds trite to say, right? But not every college professor, philosopher, or English professor believes that. Believe that or not. Uh, The law of identity is another axiom, right? Which means to be is to be something in particular. This is taken from Aristotle's A is A, right? A thing is what it is. to, To be is to be something, not to be you're not just you're not just there you're there as a particular thing with particular characteristics at a particular time another metaphysical axiom you would hit is consciousness perceives existence consciousness is the faculty of perception of existence right and these are all what makes something an axiom is you in order to try and deny it you have to assume it's true right so and you'll find that all of those are true and there's corollaries to those you'll hear the law of non contradiction the law of causality I view view those as corollaries to these other metaphysical axioms. So we're kind of starting very basic, like, here I am. (laughs) Like, this is, I exist. It's very simple. This is, it's not super complex, right? Then we can ask, well, how do I know? How do I know anything? That's epistemology, right? That's the question of epistemology, right? You've got lots of ideas or conclusions or thoughts or feelings or dreams or whatever potentially floating around your head right how do you know what's true right how do you know what is true and the way that you figure it out is do you apply a process of checking for adherence to the metaphysical axioms right um so is is a conclusion or idea you have is it consistent with existence the law of identity right it's non-contradictory um is it consistent with perceptions of existence right which is induction that process is called reason that's all that is right and you've heard me say before reason is a process of non-contradictory identification this is just basic level shit that's what reason is it's not fancy it's not fancy logical proofs that's all it is reason is not deductive logic deductive logic is a form of reasoning right all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. Yes, that's deduction. It's a form of reasoning. It is not, that's not the totality of reason, right? Because all deductions begin with premises. All men are mortal. That's a premise. Socrates is a man, also a premise. Much more questionable today, uh, thanks to uh, Wokies. right? So all, these premises are ultimately, they're either deduced from other uh, deductions or Like ultimately the premises are, have to be induced from reality. They don't, there's not like, there's not just magical truths in your head, contrary to what someone like Immanuel Kant would argue. There's not just truths that you just know that are just in your head that, oh, I'm gonna deduce everything from this. Like that's not how, that's not how things work. You're you're just here, you've got to induce things. And induction is a form you look around, you look around at reality, you perceive reality, and you form a concept by making a generalization about what you see. And you look around and you're like, well, gee, every person who ever has existed has died. Uh, <laughs> every person every person seems to be on the track of getting older and dying. Every person I've ever heard about seen, I've never heard of anyone who hasn't died. I kind of understand the mechanism of human aging and things go wrong, blah, blah, blah. It seems like I'm going to now induce men are mortal. Like, that's an induction. That's not you don't derive men are mortal from an axiom you don't it's not like some magical imperative that sits in your head you induce it from looking at reality all animals seem to be mortal like if there is no immortal thing that you've seen that's alive so you induce it correctly and that becomes a starting point for deduction um, but starting from arbitrary premises um, That haven't been induced but have just been stated arbitrary or maybe even ones that are explicitly false that's not reasoning if you start from there and you deduce that's not reasoning and that's one of the mistakes communism makes right they start from some really bad premises and then they reason through and then they tell everyone this is the rational system no that's an arbitrary system and you used reason to try and justify it So only after you've done this basic kind of metaphysical and epistemological work can you then ask the question, which I think more people are interested in talking about, what should I do, right, more formally, it would be what should one do, right, which gets you into ethics, which is a code of values or principles for guiding, guiding man's choices and actions, basically. So that's kind of the, the kind of basic level stuff, right? So... With that in mind, let's just take a look at some topics we've talked about so far. I'm just going to do a quick summary because not, I think not everyone has watched all these shows, and I get it. Um, so, <laughs> Peanut Butter Says Everybody Poops. It's funny, and it is the name of a book. It's also a valid induction. <laughs> right? That's a valid induction. Um, so, all right. So I'm not going to go through every single episode, don't worry, but I am starting, I'm going to start with by saying in the first episode, we blah, 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 don't freak out. I'm not going to walk through all of them. But in the first episode, uh, we talked about a concept hierarchy. We talked about building this mental model of the world. Um, we, call, we talked about concepts being based on, uh, concepts like are, are based on, I won't say based on, they can be derived or or children of parent concepts that are more abstract and they subsume more concrete concepts, right? So they, they sit like in a tree. Um, and we talked about building the concepts and building the concept doesn't stop from, start from the top down. It doesn't really start from the bottom up either. It really more naturally uh, as, we, as we grow up, it kind of starts from the middle out. And I think an example that one of the community members gave was an example of a rock right um when you grow up you you don't start with like oh that's flint right it's like oh that's a rock and you might then later learn to classify uh, uh rocks or maybe subcategory of i don't know inanimate objects or something right um and you might also learn to go down the conceptual hierarchy and like, oh this is an opal that's a granite right i'm going to differentiate So experts might even go further down. Maybe there's different types of granite, I don't know. Um, So we talked about that. We talked about policing that conceptual hierarchy model that you're building in your head, policing it with reason to eradicate internal contradictions and contradictions with observed reality, right? That's your responsibility to be a a clear, rational thinker. You gotta police that. Um, We talked about words being used as labels for the concepts in that hierarchy. Right. And we we say we talked about what definitions we kind of have a format for definitions to help us place place a a concept in a hierarchy. And we said it's a member of this category and it's differentiated from the siblings in that category by blankety blank. Right. That was the format that we used. And I think we briefly talked about words only being labels. I think it was the seventh episode that we did, it was on objectivity. Um, We briefly touched on that. I think I mentioned the analytic synthetic dichotomy. Um, but just as a reminder, the concepts and the definition of the word are not the same thing, right? The words are labels and placeholders. The definition helps you locate it in your hierarchy, but the concept itself is not just the definition, right? The definition only includes essential characteristics for shorthand notation, but the concept itself has all the attributes of the things that that concept subsumes. It subsumes all the dependent concepts and concretes. The concept is more than just the definition itself. Um, So we talked about that words being labels. In the second episode, we talked about hidden premises. Um, So um, premises are like preconditions for claims that aren't explicitly named, but they're assumed to be true. Right? And obviously, false hidden premises are rampant and very dangerous. So we talked about that. This is a good time to maybe introduce a new fallacy that I haven't really talked about too much. Um, and that's the stolen concept fallacy, which is using a concept while denying the validity of the concepts upon which it logically depends. So some examples. You heard people defending the BLM riots last year. I forget. I think I think um, the sixteen nineteen lady said this, and probably people like Joy Reid too, but I don't remember. They said something to the effect of that people have a right to destroy someone else's property, right? Um, now, of course, you could do this with right to health care too, but I like I like this one because it's so ridiculous. Um, well. The word right, rights apply to individuals and are dependent upon the concept of uh, individual sovereignty, right? Rights depend on this concept of individual sovereignty. One of the consequences, one of the logical consequences of individual sovereignty is the right to property, right? A lot of rights are corollaries to basically your right to your own life, right? One of them is the right to property. Now, this means you can't have a right to destroy someone else's property because that kind of a right would negate the concept of individual sovereignty and the rights upon which the property right depends. And if there's no individual sovereignty, if there's no right to your own life, then there are no rights generally. Therefore, you, you've, you've destroyed the concept that you're depending on. You wanna use the word right because it sounds good and people like it and they feel like it's an entitlement Right, often that's what they mean by it. They want to use that word because it sounds more moral than an entitlement. But they—that's that's a misuse. It's a stolen concept. You can't use the word right to destroy the concepts on which rights depend. That—that's a fallacy. Um, there's a special case here, uh, which I'm just going to bring up really quickly, which is concepts that relate to individuals then getting applied to collectives. And I'm going to bring it up because of the concept of social justice. Um, Justice is a concept that's dependent upon ethics. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an ethical concept. Ethics apply to the actions of individuals only. Groups can't act. Only some or all individuals in a group can act individually. They might all choose to do the same thing, in which case every single individual is acting, but groups can't act, just like groups can't think, right? And make a decision. They could vote and like there could be, like that's fine, They can do that you can vote and say majority blah 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 but it's a majority of individuals only individuals make those decisions only individuals act so ethics ethics are applied to individuals not groups now social the word social here in social justice is really meant to to mean collective or group so you can see the stolen concept fallacy right away it's like okay well there can be no such thing as collective or group justice since ethics only apply to the actions of individuals. You can't use that term because it doesn't apply. You can't, you can't eradicate. I I haven't explained this part as much, but you can't using it inappropriately actually eradicates the individual justice because the moment you apply this to a group, you're now denying individual. Um, Ethical behaviors, you're now you're denying you're pulling ethics outside of individuality, right, Outside of individuals and applying it to a group, which means it can't apply to the individual anymore, because now you're a member of the group. If the group does something wrong, you're wrong, which is not how ethics works. So um, stolen concept fallacy is a good one to know. Uh, all right. We had a couple episodes about the challenges that emotions present to critical thinking. By the way, I'm listing some of these episodes because if you have missed them or if you're interested in any topics, I'll put links to all the stuff um, when I do the show notes, which will probably be later tonight. I'll put them below. Um, but we had a couple episodes about the challenges that emotions present to critical thinking. And we recognized that emotions are essential motivation to behavior. And we touched on the role of some neurotransmitters. Um, And we explored how often emotions can cloud and distort judgment and decision-making. I reviewed a research paper by uh, Dr. Jennifer Lerner from Harvard, which was a meta-analysis. It was published in 2015 in the Annual Review of Psychology. And in that discussion, we talked about the appraisal tendency framework um, for evaluating how emotions impact our thinking. We talked about what doesn't work to minimize the impact of emotions on our thinking. And one thing that didn't work was suppressing your emotions. Doesn't work. We talked about things that do work. Um, Time, increased awareness of your emotional state, being aware of your current emotional state actually helps undo some of the influence it has on your decisions. Um, We also discussed all this stuff in an episode with Nikki Klein, or some of this stuff. Um, Sorry, you can probably hear my baby crying in the background. Sorry, I can't help it. Uh, I'm not the one with the feed bags, so I can't make her stop. Uh, we discussed the con- <laughs> that was crass. Sorry. We discussed the concept of objectivity in one of the shows, um, and we talked about how it's dishonest to claim that the only way to be objective is to know something apart from any faculties you would have for knowing, like perception and cognition. Right? This is a very common fallacy. It's like, well, because you have to know it by some realistic means in reality, therefore it's not objectively true because you have some means of knowing it. Um, and people who make arbitrary assertions love to do this, right? They love to say, well, you're not objective because you have to perceive it through some means. You has to be filtered through your consciousness. Duh. Um, but my thing's objective because I claim it has a mystical origin, right? It's, it's, it's ludicrous. Um, We talked about what objectivity actually is, which is a metaphysical recognition of reality existing independent of your consciousness, and the epistemological recognition that you need a a process for policing that concept hierarchy. You need reason, right? Using logic, induction, deduction, all that stuff, right? That's what objectivity is. It's simply the application of those recognitions. And to the extent that someone applies those to an argument or their conclusion, we call them objective. We say that was an objective decision. To the extent that they haven't done this, but they've instead uh, evaded policing their concept hierarchy altogether, uh, used feelings to reach their conclusions instead, denied that reality is unaffected by their desire for it to be a certain way, just, I wish this were true, therefore, blah, right? We call them subjective when they do things like that, right? An obvious example would be like, hey, your honor... I really love my wife, so she can't be guilty. Like, that's clear subjectivity, right? It's not rational. It's not—there's no attempt to be objective. It's substituting emotions for reason. Um, it's actually a little bit of a metaphysical reality denial. It's like my consciousness ought to manifest the truth of this, what it wants. We talked about principles. Um we talked about principles being uh, integrations of of derivative generalizations into a single generalization. Um, and we said they were all of the of the same form. All instances of this type of choice will lead to this kind of effect. That's what we said principles were. Um, and we talked about them like a bunch of non-moral principles and, like, and domain-specific stuff. So we gave examples of, I think I gave an example of Cobra Kai, principles of Cobra Kai, electrical engineering, that kind of stuff. And then we said, "Okay, well, then what are moral principles? And they said, well, these are principles that are rooted in life as the moral standard. Um, And I think the language that I use, I copied this. I can read this here. I copied it from notes from a previous show. As I said, moral principles are life principles that apply universally to human action as such, and for which the purpose is the achievement of values required by human life as such, by its very nature. That's what we said moral principles were. Now, by the way, on a recent cofefe break, which I think was Friday's, uh, Bradley Helgerson, Carey's preacher, who I really like, um, he argued that because we could choose something other than life as the ethical standard, this definition of moral principles was not objective. There's no foundation, he kept saying. There's no foundation. Um, And this is similar to the error that I mentioned above. Right? It's wrong to claim that the only way to be objective is that you have to know something apart from any faculties you have for knowing or perception or cognition. It doesn't, objectivity or the foundation doesn't require that there's some external factor giving you the answer. Um, And uh, and certainly the solution to that problem would not be an arbitrary assertion about some, like, well, this is the thing, right? Um, Far from objective, arbitrary assertions are about as subjective as you can possibly get. Someday I'm gonna convince Bradley of this, but uh, I failed on Friday. Okay. Um, last week we talked about faith. Uh, we said that when we use reason to draw conclusions, we call it reasoning. Duh. Uh, but that we needed a word for non-reasoning, right? The the entire universe of possibilities for your cognition that, that's used to draw a conclusion. There's reason and non-reason. That's it. Logically, that's by definition. That's the entire universe. There's not a third option. Reason or not reason. I think that should be very clear. Those are the options. Reason, not reason. We needed a word for not reason. I said, we have one. It's called faith. And I said, faith is the belief in something apart from or contrary to reason. Now, some people were upset about this. Um, they maybe want me to use another word, Right? Like reasoning versus glorping or something, right? And we would say glorping is non-reason. Uh, we could do that, but I don't think it's necessary to invent a neologism here because we have a word, and that word is faith. Um, and there, I get that there are people that want to save the word faith because uh, they're trying to legitimize it in some way, and they don't like that it's a term for non-reason. Um, and this is understandable, and it's understandable because... Of how reason has been treated philosophically, um, and this is another actually great tragedy I think of, of of philosophy in the last few hundred years. You also not only do you have the the convincing people that communism was was reason um, and and the scientific system, you also had people a lot, dishonest philosophers will say um, they they convince people that reason itself is somehow impotent to deal with the entire human experience. So they um they've set up like this reason versus emotion dichotomy as if uh, well reason is only about these cold hard even even actually Bradley on Friday said like cold hard reason like eh, what, what what the hell does that mean right we're we're motivated by emotions that's like a rational recognition of the human experiences that emotions play a big role and they matter um right reason just says They don't let you make statements about external reality with credibility. (laughs) I feel X is not proof. That's all reason says. Um, So they've set up this weird dichotomy where like, well, if you want to be a poet and love and have a heart, you have to shun reason because it's cold and hard. That's bullshit. Um, They've reduced reason often to logical proof. So they'll be like, well, I can't prove it. Therefore, it's not a reasonable position. That's not what reason is. Reason isn't just logical proofs. Right, all of deduction relies on induction, which is not logical proof at all. Um, so, again, reason is just this this uh, correspondence, this 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 process of non contradictory identification. That's that's what it is, right? Um, you also hear, you also heard philosophers make these weird arguments, like, well, humans have an emotional need for blankety blank, therefore, reason can't help them get there, Yet, humans do have emotional needs, and reason can help you identify, in reality, what can help you fulfill those emotional needs. So all that stuff is stupid philosophy that uh, has been used to actually tear down um, reason, um, largely by, I'm, probably some Christians have done this, but it's largely by secular secularists who have some other nefarious goal like well i really want an authoritarian state so i better explain how the universe really wants people to be fodder for the state and blah 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 blah, right or emmanuel kant who was like well i gotta i gotta i gotta neuter reason in order to make room for faith that's a paraphrase of what he said so those are some things that we talked about i think that covers like most of the things we talked about Um, so far, I think we've only had eight or nine episodes. Um, my goal with this community here is, um, well, you guys know me, you've watched me on other shows too. I have lots of conclusions about stuff. Some of those conclusions are old and well tested and I'm very confident in them. I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, but fundamentally I'm not married to the conclusions, right? Um, and I think a lot of people are married to conclusions, and that's not, that's not what I want here. Um, I, I don't want this discussion to be about being married to the conclusions. Um, someone, and it was another Christian guy that I like, and I, it might have been Bradley, but I don't want to say it was him because I don't remember. But I was having a conversation with someone months ago, and they said, well, I'm not going to try and convince you of Christianity because you just have no incentive to be a Christian. There's nothing motivating you to be a Christian. So therefore, you won't be open to the arguments. And I let that pass at the time because I was like, okay. uh, But I thought about it more. And actually, you know, the opposite is true. (laughs) I mean, most people in my life, for most of my life, would have welcomed me with open arms. It would actually be a lot easier for me to declare that I was a Christian. I'm kind of an oddball. I mean, think about being a a capitalist atheist. Mm, There's not a big community there. Most of my allies against woke are Christian. Most people who want capitalism are Christian. I would fit in much better. I have a huge incentive to change my mind. Right, But I resist it because I'm trying to have integrity, um, and I don't think it's true. So, uh, I would like to have this community, to the extent that we can, what I'm trying to do is marry the process, and that process is reason. That's it. Reason is the process. That's what we're doing. We can all be in a polyamorous relationship with a reason. We can all be married to her. She's an absolute slut, and it's fine. We can all marry reason. It'll be great. But we do have to be true to her. Right, that's um, that's the goal, and we might reach diff- reach different conclusions. Reasonable people can, through errors, different information, um, whatever, reach different conclusions. But the more we hold each other accountable for sticking to the process of reason, the more in alignment our conclusions will become over time, because there is only one reality, and there's reality doesn't have contradictions. Um, So, oh, before we go to the summary, I'm going to read a super chat uh, from G-Man, who is, G-Man, you win the prize for the only super chat today. He says, I don't think faith is the antithesis of reason. Much faith is based on reason. When you drive over a bridge, you have faith it won't crumble underneath, but the faith is based on knowledge experience. No, you are wrong, G-Man. I love you, but you're wrong. Uh, That is not faith. Uh, You do not believe the bridge won't crumble because of faith. That is confidence in the laws of physics, the people who built the bridge, you have reason to believe that the bridge won't fall down. When you have reason to believe the bridge won't fall down, it's not faith. Now, I I talked about this a little bit in the last episode about faith in that the word faith is used in exactly the sense G-Man talked about it. And I, and I, and I, exactly the way he used it. And I had this conversation with Thomas St. Thomas. Um, and, uh, he, he similarly said, well, this is how people use it. Yes, people do use it that way. It's sloppy. It's not philosophically correct. Um, the dictionary is full of slop. We're not trying to find slop. We are trying to be as accurate as possible. There are plenty of synonyms for that feeling that you're talking about. Confidence is one of them. Trust is another one. Those things can be reasoned. You don't need the word faith. If, if you're only using reason, You don't actually need the word faith. Reason doesn't need faith. Faith does need reason. Do you need a word for non-reason? And there there isn't another word for it. It is just faith. That's what that means epistemologically. I get that people don't understand the difference between the confidence they have driving over the bridge and the confidence they have that Zeus is alive. But those are two different things. One is based on reason and one's not. And if we're going to be clear in our thinking, I advocate for not using sloppy language. I get it, when other people use it, you don't have to be a dick about it and be like, that's not faith, blah, 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 blah. But when you use it, don't use that word. There's plenty of other words for it. And when we have philosophical discussions, we need to be clear about what we're talking about. Um, Because otherwise, people will sneak that word in there and they'll conflate it with other things. And before you know it, you'll be like, well, yeah, they'll be like, look, G-Man, you do accept faith. And G-Man will be like, yeah, you're right, I have faith about the bridge. See, therefore this other thing, which is irrational, you should believe, because you have faith, that's not how that works. You don't have faith in science, you don't have faith in bridges, that's not faith. It's a misuse of the word. So, all right. Whew, sorry, G-Man, I didn't mean to go off on you. All right. <laughs> I like G-Man. Um. But G-Man, you should talk to Thomas St. Thomas, because Thomas St. Thomas had the same Argument with me. We discussed it. I did. I addressed it in the show last week. And Thomas St. Thomas is now on my side. I think. I don't want to speak for him, but I'm I'm pretty sure. All right. So in summary, here. Um. I think that's a pretty good summary of everything we've talked about so far. Um. I'd like to start bringing people from the community, like G-Man, if he wants to argue the bridge thing more on the show to discuss stuff, to clarify things, debate. If you're interested in doing that, please let us know. Um, uh, Please keep up the comments. I really do appreciate the comments that uh, happen on YouTube. Some of them are really good and I've made shows about them and they've prompted me to think about things better or clarify or whatever. Um, So comments that generally get a response eventually uh, are things that let me know when I'm not clear or you think I've made an error somewhere. Comments that don't get a response uh, are usually like a diatribe about a topic that sounds like you didn't actually listen to anything I said about the topic. Like, not everyone here actually wants to have the discussion. Some people just married to their conclusions. I'll probably ignore those. Uh, but if you think you've made a good critique and I'm ignoring you, it won't be forever. I'm just, I'll get around to it. Um, or maybe I'm wanting to do a whole show on it or have you on to discuss it. Because uh, I think there are some of you who want to do that and I think it'd be fun. Uh one note I want to say here before I wrap up, what we are doing, I've, I've avoided calling this philosophy and like, I've been kind of trying for another word. I'm like, oh, well, it's street philosophy. It's this, it's that we're just talking about. The truth is what we're doing is philosophy. If we're going to be clear with language, this is philosophy. The purpose of philosophy is to inform us how we should live on earth. That's the purpose. That's what we're doing. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who've gone to institutions and studied philosophy uh, that will mock these kind of discussions. You don't see it often here, but it does happen sometimes. They'll act like we don't understand the nuances of some, of some patently absurd idea. right? Well, you don't get it. Kant actually he didn't really mean that you were born with these, these mystical ideas in your head. He really meant that it was evolution. Like, it's just, right? There's, there's stupidity. They'll pretend like, oh, you don't understand the nuance. What he's really saying is this other gobbledygook, right? Um, and or maybe they'll know some some esoteric philosopher really well, and they'll be like, you should really read what you know so and so said about blah blah blah. And it's typically you know gobbledygook like like Goethe who sits in a dark room with his eyes closed and writes about light. Um, and you'll see people say, you're not doing philosophy. And I thought about this one. Um, And they'll say that because we, we don't let them get away with stolen concept, fallacies, arbitrary assertions, dishonest deconstructions like the analytic synthetic dichotomy. And they're actually right in one sense. We're not doing philosophy the way they've been taught. We're not destroying Western civilization and rational thought. We're actually doing philosophy because we want to discover the best way for people to live on Earth. And that looks foreign to people who've studied philosophy in an institution. Because to them, philosophy is an armchair game of skepticism, right? the purpose of which is to confuse, tear down, and stagnate our thinking. So fuck them when they make those comments. You also see people say, you're not a philosopher. Take that as a compliment, because when they say philosopher, they mean a sniveling purveyor of intellectual poison. We're not doing that. What we are doing is trying to discover the best way to live on Earth. And... Save Western civilization, save what's good about it, and help give humans guidelines for living their lives and organizing society moving forward. That's what matters. That's the philosophy that matters. Not sitting around contemplating whether the ceiling exists because you're high, or you know, writing about the you know <laughs> whether words can manifest reality. That's not philosophy. That's like delusion. So let's keep exploring this stuff together. Uh, at least those of us who are married to the method of reason um not because we're philosophers but because we want to be the best humans that we can be that's what we want um at least i do so um andrew says best way is totally subjective yeah great so we have to have a conversation about that what does that mean maybe i'm being sloppy with language um anyway i think that's it i, I we i came in in under an hour so i should stop unless there's something i really need to talk about which i don't see anyone saying in chat um, I'm just going to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Um, don't forget to throw some some gravy on that subscribe button. Uh, it needs gravy. And uh, again, special thanks to those of you who support us financially. You can go to unsafedspace.com to follow what we're doing, support us, buy merch, do whatever. And uh, as I said, I always love suggestions and feedback and that kind of stuff. So thank you all. Have a great Thanksgiving. Um, I think I think that's it. Let me go find... The outro, I gotta, I'm gotta. i running things myself. I got to go find the credits. This is the awkward part. Okay, there are the credits. All right, bye, guys. Have a good one. We will see you back on Friday uh, with Josh Slocum and i Chawla. Uh, I'm, I imagine we'll get into quite a lot of discussions about Cluster B and that kind of stuff. Enjoy your turkey. Take care.
1: I am running out of patience with the following individuals. Here's a fun fact. Experts agree that inflation is good for you. As a reminder, self-defense can only be used as a last resort. You are legally required to first see if your death effectively deters your attacker. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't.